Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. We've got you covered. An unexpected health condition can happen to anyone at any time, celebrity or not. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these topical conditions. Singer Mike Posner is currently on a walk across America, releasing a song in each state he crosses. He actually started his journey in Asbury Park, New Jersey, believe it or not, and is making his way across the U.S. While his walk, he was bitten by a rattlesnake and was airlifted to a nearby trauma center. Talk about crazy. He, re- he luckily received an anti-venom treatment in time, but wasn't able to walk for the last few weeks. And then I think recently he started his journey up again. And today I have Dr. Kevin Hewitt, Vice Chairman of Emergency Medicine for the Emergency and Trauma Center at Hackensack University Medical Center. And Dr. Hewitt and I actually go way back, and it's weird for me to even call him Dr. Hewitt. So if I mess up, I for, please forgive me because we are family friends. So thanks for having us today, Dr. Hewitt. I want to ask a silly question. So do we even have anti-venom at Hackensack University Medical Center? Anti-venom is uh, expensive and it's unique. So in general, most states, most centers will have it at one point where they will distribute 24 hours a day, seven days a week for anybody who happens to need it. Um, our go-to point is actually the Bronx Zoo. Wow. Because the Bronx Zoo has the largest snake collection on the eastern seaboard, so they store anti-venom for, for even, even exotic snakes. Wow. Um, so they have it there. So if you need it emergently, um, we can get anti-venom from the Bronx Zoo 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They also have a really great CAT scanner f- for giant animals. So, wow. Yeah, so, so if you have somebody who's too big for any scanner here, you can actually go over there. Go to the zoo. Yeah. Would you have to pay admission to get into this? I think your insurance <laughs> might cover it. Maybe you co-pay. So, so is there any chance of being bitten by anything venomous in New Jersey? There are there um, there are venomous snakes, basically rattlesnakes. Yeah. Um, it's the timber rattler is the one that's here. Actually, they were in the news recently too because really? there was a. Um, there was a two-headed snake born in New Jersey and wow. found in the wild, um, and that was a rattlesnake. Have you ever treated anyone who's been bitten by a snake? No, I've never had to in New York or New Jersey. That's where I basically practiced. Yeah. Um, very common in the West, in yeah. Southwest. What about any other bites? Have you ever had to treat someone with you know a crazy bite, maybe a dog or a spider or? Um, turtle. Turtle. Yeah, snapping turtle. Okay. Um, that that was local. Uh, dogs and cats are by far the the most common, and humans and humans are probably the most common. Biting each other. Yes. I'm yeah, thinking fights. small and, children. And then no, no, you're, you're talking about adults. Oh. You know. <laughs> uh, so that that's mostly them. And then sometimes you get something weird or exotic. Somebody has a home pet that's a little odd that gets bit. Mice, rats. So have you ever had to call the Bronx squirrels. Zoo? Squirrels. Uh, we haven't needed an anti-venom, so I haven't had to call the Bronx Zoo for that. So if you were bitten, when should, even by a non-venomous animal, when should you know to come to the emergency room? 
so it's it's kind of difficult to know. First of all, the bites are rare. Snakes don't want to be near people, um, and usually they only strike if they're threatened. Um, sometimes in mating season, they'll be a little bit more aggressive, but they try to avoid humans pretty much at all costs. Um, so it's usually human stupidity when someone actually does get bitten or you're, you're rock climbing and you put your hand on somebody who uh, a snake that's yeah. sunning on a rock um most people aren't going to like know looking at the snake if it's venomous or not yeah um so anybody who gets bitten in an area that has any type of venomous snake should probably seek medical attention um, especially since the venom can take up to eight hours to set in. So just wow. because you're not doing poorly in the first hour doesn't mean you're not going to do poorly later on. So if, if you get symptoms in 15 minutes, those are usually the people that got a good venom load and are going to have an issue fast. Um, but people have been uh, symptomatic even eight hours out. So what they would do, they'd watch you in the ER. they give you local wound care. They'd watch you in the ER for the eight hours. Um, and say the reason that you can have a bite and nothing is about a quarter of bites, some, sometimes more depending on the species, or what they call dry bites. Okay. Because a lot of the snakes can inject venom or not inject venom voluntarily on their own. Um, so if they're looking to kill prey, if they're chasing a, a rabbit or a rat, yeah. they inject the venom so they can paralyze it and eat it. Yeah. Uh, if it's defensive, they may just it may just be a warning shot, basically. Wow. So, but you're not going to know whether they inject it or not. So. So Mike Posner was on this walk, and he was joined by a civilian that was walking with him. And the civilian actually warned him about rattlesnake bites. And he said to him that he always carries ibuprofen with him because the swelling could kill you before the venom does. Like, would you swell up like a balloon and die? Like, could you die from swelling? So it depends on um, what type of snake you get bit by and what kind of venom they have. Um, Rattlesnakes, their venom basically causes blood supply and the lining of blood cells to break down and then you go into a coagulopathy you have issues of bleeding and clotting yeah. in the localized area so then with that you get mat you can get massive swelling um, your own blood system will also take the venom to other parts of your body as it okay. goes through the system and that's yeah. where this the whole thoughts about putting tourniquets on on extremities go we don't recommend tourniquets, mainly for the reason is that people put them on and they close off all blood supply to somebody's arm, and that's yeah. not good because they have no blood supply. But putting a tight, constraining, like rolling up a sleeve, um, just enough to make it a little bit tight, but you still have pulses, um, is recommended. Okay. Because that stops some of the venom from getting closer into towards the chest, the heart, and, the heart. and getting into the body. So they actually do recommend that, um, and and you'll see ma- you can see massive swelling in that area. And then people do have allergic reactions as well to the venom, and they have distal reactions and they have late reactions. So you have to watch for those also. Yeah, and then so is there any kind of like ho- like thing that you would recommend not doing? Like you can't, you shouldn't suck the venom out of the wound. No, <laughs> <laughs> no do not because. First of all, like I said, about 25% are dry bites, so yeah. there's no venom anyway. So, um, And even with the, all the snake bite kits and suction yeah. apparatuses that they have out on the market, none of them have been proven to do anything. 
Um, and most of the ven venom when it's injected is injected deep and you're not even gonna get to it. You're just gonna actually cause more wound damage and maceration and infection by trying to get to it. Yeah, so it's not like a jellyfish right. where no. you know right. urine might help right. you a little no, bit. No, definitely don't pee on it. No. <laughs> so let's talk about some other creatures. And when someone comes in with a bite wound, so you were saying how it's usually pretty superficial, would they need to follow up with care afterwards? It, you know, it all depends on the wound. Again, rattlesnake bites can get very ugly very quickly. Um, so local wound care is, is one of the staples for treatment for that. But we then you can get the same thing with uh, animal bites, dog bites, cat yeah. bites. Cat bites tend to be worse infection-wise because of their very long canines and they inject much worse bacteria into your system. Good to um, know. I have two cats at home. <laughs> human, human bites also get infected n nastily from the flora in our mouth. Oh. Um, so that's usually uh, somebody putting their mouth on somebody's fist you know, after a couple of years or something yeah. like that, um, that comes up. And then there's there's toxic snakes. Most of the ticks don't usually leave big wounds. They, uh, the, yeah, they're super small. Right. The infections that they bring, though, are, are transmitted, and they usually don't leave anything on a, as a wound site. But the two s spiders that are in the United States that are venomous or the black widow, mm -hmm. which has a neurotoxin actually. So a, wow. lot of it, a lot of its effects are far away from where the bite is. So yeah. it's the brain, the heart, um, lungs, so it affects other things. Uh, but the brown recluse spider is the one that leaves a really nasty, really nasty bite. You know, like it leaves a big giant crater in your arm and wow. it, it may take months for you. And, localized wound care sometimes they have to do skin grafting because it, it gives a really been nasty bite so for the spiders would you have to would you come to the ed first or would you go to your main like primary care physician i think most people end up in the ed yeah. um for black widow because it's such a toxic venom there is an anti-venom for that as well wow um the brown recluse just usually leaves local um, damage to wherever a bit, mm -hmm. but the wounds can get pretty si significant, so you usually should be treated in an ED. How would you even take care of something like that? Because the, sp the spider would be bit and you would and bite gone. and gone. Uh, and again, just like a, you know, if a snake bit you, yeah. what, like, what did it look like? Yeah. Like nobody knows what it looks like. Like I got bit by a snake, I'm out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, although people do hang out trying to catch it, which is even more stupid because yeah, they get bit again. Uh, and same thing with spiders. So you're not gonna you're not gonna see if there's a violin on on the abdomen of the spider. Like yeah. You're gonna get bitten, that, and that's that. Most of the bites again are innocuous. Uh, the brown recluse usually lives away from people, the back of sheds, wood piles. Um, usually has a very chaotic web. Um, but again, you're not gonna know what bit you. Uh, so if you have you, they usually have pretty intense pain at the bite site though. Okay. So then they can seek attention there, and the wound advances fairly quickly wow yeah and then so for ticks a lot of people save their ticks should we save our ticks the one thing that's helpful there is because different diseases are transmitted by different ticks yeah so like the Lyme disease tick yeah. is a deer tick which is actually the smaller of the ticks yes. that's like the size of a freckle and there's other things like Rocky Mountain spotted fever um, which is a very bad disease, which is transmitted by the dog tick, which is a much bigger tick. Um, most tick bites 
uh, don't really transmit disease unless the tick's been on there for 36 hours. Okay. So, which is good news. So usually yeah. if you find them, then you, you really don't have to worry. Um, but if, for identification of what type of tick it is, it's helpful. And then you can put it in a little container with a little alcohol and that'll help with identification. You'll never be able to culture the tick per se to find out what the tick is carrying because yeah. the, the, the amounts are so very small. And it doesn't mean that it did transmit even if it has it. Yeah. So that, in, in that sense, culturing the tick is not going to be helpful. Because I know a lot of people that do get bit by ticks, they save them. And it's like, why, why are you saving the tick? What, what are you going to do with him? Right. The, only, the <laughs> only way it's really helpful is to identify the type of tick that know, like, you know, I'm going to get Lyme disease. No, this isn't, this isn't a deer tick. This is yeah. a, a dog tick. So you're not going to get Lyme disease. Yeah. Not from this bite, at least. Well, there's been a lot of different viruses that ticks carry. I mean, this year, the Powassan yep. virus was uh, really other, other big. Than, other than mosquitoes, ticks are the number one vector for arthropod um, diseases in the world. Wow. So they have, and there's very similar diseases across continents, um, what we call Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. They have similar versions of in Asia or Africa or Australia um, from their ticks. So... It, if you're going to travel, it's good to know what toxic, nasty things are hanging out in the neighborhood that you're going to go to, especially if you're doing something like this guy's doing and hiking across America. If he did it yeah. in Australia, there's a lot more nasty yeah. bugs and bites and snakes out there. And yeah. it's good to be aware of, of you know what you need to do and where you need to go. So he carried, um, the guy with him carried ibuprofen. Was that a smart move? I mean, it's, I mean, it's good for pain. It's good for inflammation. It, you're, you're better off just getting to a hospital quickly. Do you have a lot of cases here we've, for we've, we've had cases here. Um, West Nile basically is across the entire country now. Yeah. Um, it... West Nile virus because it was a certain virus that was west of the Nile. And they think it probably came through airline travel. Just yeah, like probably. Mosquitoes in, inside planes came in. They cross-react with other mosquitoes in our neighborhood. Yeah. And they pick up the disease. And very quickly, it marched to east to west across the country, infecting people. And now it's just everywhere. Yeah. Do you, is there any kind of medication or anything you can take? No, it's all, it, it's all supportive care. Um, th there's no toxin to treat for the virus. It's all you know, ICU care if they get really super sick. But it's yeah. usually just the very young and the very old or anybody who's immunocompromised or in poor health that gets really sick from most other people will shake it off like some type of virus and, okay. and, and then mm. get better. And then that's that. Yeah. Does it stay in your body forever? Kind of like you know, Epstein Barr or things like that. No, it's more. It's more like uh, typical viruses you get in the middle of the winter where you feel terrible and you get better, and then like the flu. And, and your body, you, like flu, and your in your body gets immunity to whatever was that infected you. And if it happens to be Lyme, that's what it is. Oh wow! I thought it just stayed dormant in your body forever, no. and then like there, there sometimes are, there are viruses that do that. Chickenpox is the classic example, yeah. and it hides in your, your neural ganglions. And then 20 years later, pops up and yeah. becomes shingles. Yes, which I heard is absolutely terrible. Yeah. There's, a there's a vaccine for that if you're over 50. It's highly recommended. Yes, yes. Well, because when I, was at, when I actually applied for this job, you have to get all of your shots and, you know, check out your immune system and things like that. And they said to me that I needed to get a, a basically a booster for my chicken pox, which for me, I, I was 
22 when I started my job here. I was like, what do you mean an a, a, a booster for chicken pox? What? Like uh, so for, uh, some vaccines have very long uh, effective periods. Yeah. Some do not. Um, you know, people talk about tetanus every five to ten years, make sure it's updated because that's how long the immunity starts waning off and you need to boost your immunity again. That's very clear with measles just yes. just this past summer. So a lot of the people who get sick, there were, there were a lot of anti-vaxxers who never got vaccinated who came down with it and are spreading this this horrible disease. Yes. But there's people who got vaccinated when they were a child. But once you hit 18, 19, 20, even probably when, to, when you went to college, you yeah. probably got revaccinated for measles. That was a pretty common okay. practice. Uh, and people who don't get re- revaccinated now have waned immunity and they're at risk for getting it. Well, and, and that makes it hard to diagnose because it doesn't look the same as standard measles because they're partially vaccinated. Yeah. So their, their symptoms look different. The rash looks a little different. It can be harder to diagnose. And actually, the CDC or the World Health Organization, one of the two, just announced that it's no longer eradicated because at one point it was. Yeah. So would it be recommended for people to get revaccinated at a certain age? Uh, they usually do it in college for most people that are going to college. Okay. Uh, so around and unless, and unless there's a, a big outbreak in a community like there was just this is just past recently. summer, then then you should then people should get checked and revaccinated if necessary. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. All right, back to animals because that was a total like line that I wasn't thinking I was going to go down. But I wanted to ask you about rabies. Is rabies a pretty common thing that happens in the ED? So there's something we have in the ED all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's there's two parts to rabies. If um, there's a rabies immunoglobulin, which basically gives you immediate body protection when you inject it. Okay. And then there's a rabies vaccine so that you make your own antibodies against rabies. Okay. So the rabies vaccine is a series of shots that you have to get. And it's, it's, Days 0, 3, 7, 14, 28, usually, they can cut off the last one for, for most people who are immunocompetent. And the immunoglobulin they give to people who have an acute bite. Okay. The immunoglobulin ends up being a lot of injections. That's the one that people always complain about because yeah. it's weight-based. And you, oh. you're supposed to try to give as much of it around the, the area that you were bitten, and then you give the rest of it at a distal site. Okay. to give people immunity, and that's and that's the one that hurts. The vaccine itself is not a problem, but that, that's one that hurts. So we keep that on hand all the time. We have it in the ER. Uh, most places don't carry rabies vaccine, so if you need to get revaccinated, you need to come back to the ER to get your next doses. We're pretty aggressive on who we treat with the rabies vaccine because rabies is one of the few diseases that's pretty much 100% fatal. Yeah. If you get it, you will die. Wow. I think there's two cases known in the planet where people survived. Um, one was a young kid who survived neurologically intact, and there was one other person, and I don't know, I think they had some neurologic issues after it. But it's wow. pretty much a fatal disease. Um, so we leave no room to deciding if, if we're going to vaccinate you or not. Yes. So, so even if, if you don't think you, they have rabies, you so would still you, So a lot of times you don't know. So if yeah. you have the animal, mm-hmm. 
then it's easy because then you can quarantine the animal for 10 days because yeah. the animal will definitely develop rabies and the rabies will kill the animal also. Yeah. And once the animal starts looking like it has signs or symptoms, then they euthanize the animal and then they can do testing on the animal to see if the a- animal did indeed have rabies. Yeah. And if it did, you know that you were exposed. It t- usually takes a while. Um, so some people opt to wait not to be treated if they have the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the closer it is to your your brain and your head to bite, the faster we recommend you getting treated. Yeah, ten be- days yeah. to figure out yeah. if he has rabies. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. So I would take it. Yeah. If it, if it was me, I would take it. So and it, again, it could be uh, almost any animal could potentially carry it. Mm-hmm. Um, People talk about dogs. Cats are more likely than dogs, actually, because wow. cats are feral. They're outside yeah. more, so they're more likely to pick it up. Um, bats are a huge vector. Raccoons yes. are a huge vector. Um, there's some, some animals that almost never carry it, like squirrels. So a squirrel bite would almost never need rabies, with the exception of if it's unusual behavior for the squirrel and, and you don't have the squirrel, like, ha- like a yeah. squirrel ran out of a tree, bit you and ran back. <laughs> that's not squirrel behavior. So that's really <laughs> aggressive. So then you would wonder, you know, you know, is ma- he crazy? Is it, is it, is it a rabid squirrel? Yeah. And then in that case, you probably would give that person the vaccine. Um, cows get rabies. Wow. Interestingly. I wouldn't expect a cow to bite anyone, right, though. Right, true. Probably doesn't, but, yeah. but they because but they're also outside all the time, and, and they do get it. Some animal species don't don't carry it, but it the list is quite interesting. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Skunks are a big one. Another big one. Yeah, they can be raccoons. Bad. Yeah, those kinds of animals. And raccoons are a big one. Big. Yeah, they're a big vector. And then for rabies, isn't one of the symptoms where you like repel water? You don't want water anymore. They they call it hydrophobia. Yes. Um, the problem is you're, you're thirsty, but because rabies paralyzes your muscles, mm-hmm. you want to drink, but you can't drink because you can't swallow. Oh. So that's the problem. So people try to drink, but because their swallowing muscles are paralyzed, you can't swallow, so it it's comes just, out again. Yeah. So that's why they would call it hydrophobia. And not to mention that you're completely crazy and you have ab- abnormal movements in your body because it's all neurotoxicity. Okay. So you would know if you had rabies. Oh, yeah. And, and, if, and if you do, you're probably going to die. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get the vaccine. Right. That's what, and that's why we're very aggressive at vaccinating um, right up front. If you don't have the animal, you vaccinate right up front. In New Jersey, um, you basically report to your local health department where you were bit. Okay. Um, wherever the animal is. If they don't have the animal, you usually get treated. If you do have the animal, then you can opt to watch the animal. And you can also find out if the animal's been vaccinated also, which lowers your risk. Yeah. So you don't, then you don't worry so much. So how long would it be until you start experiencing symptoms for rabies? It varies. And that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Again, the severity of the bite is part of it. Mm-hmm. And then the closer it is to your central nervous system, meaning your brain um, and your spine, the, the more likely it is that you get sicker faster. Wow. Super interesting. Yeah. I didn't think that was something to really worry about in New Jersey, but I guess that's it could be anywhere. So that's that's a disease we treat people for all the time. Wow. And it's a cool vaccine. It's like hot fluorescent neon pink. Wow. Yeah, a really cool vaccine. Very interesting. Yeah. Why is it a different I have, color? I have no clue. Because every vaccine I've gotten is pretty clear. Yeah, and this one is not. <laughs> this one really looks cool. So you know it's the rabies vaccine. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
So that we that we keep in the ER because people are getting bit all the time by something. Yeah. Has a person ever come into the ED with the animal still stuck on them? Like he was bitten by a cat, still stuck on him, came into the ED. (laughs) Ticks, yes. Yeah. We do tick removal all the time. Ticks, yes. The animals, no. I mean, sometimes we get teeth inside the bites. And uh, we have to fish them out, which can be harder than you would think. Really? Especially if it's like a cat tooth because they're long and they're thin. Sometimes they're very deep. Ooh. And finding uh, foreign bodies inside a deep, tight wound can be a lot harder than you would think. Doesn't your body, like, naturally push it out? It, but that's over months to years. Oh, okay. And, and in the short term, that tooth is a nidus of infection and abscess and making yeah. things worse. So you try to get foreign bodies out. Um Otherwise, no. no. No no animals attached to people. <laughs> I, I would hope not. I would hope you try to, like, get it off before you come in. Although, if you're in the wild when you are getting bitten um, and something latches on, like the, the, the classic examples are snakes and the Gila monster and the Gila monster in uh, the southwest, um, they're known to bite and not let go. Oh. Like even if you chop off their their head, their, their, their teeth are still like they're still locked there. And um, but the recommendation there is that if you can get where, whatever the animal is on a flat surface, uh, a lot of times they'll relax and let go by themselves because they don't want to be there any more than you do at that point. Yeah, and they'll try to escape, so then they'll let go and go. Okay, so that, that's something to. <laughs> to, to think about if if you can actually think reasonably well, there's something like attached to you. <laughs> attached to you with their fangs. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would. I, I would probably panic, or you know, I really wouldn't. I I don't know if I would drive myself to the ED or call nine one one if something was attached to me. Like, what should I call nine one one or should I drive myself? <laughs> well, if it's attached to you, I would probably call nine one one. Yeah, you know, I, and again. Going back to the snake bites, yeah. depending on when you start getting symptomatic and what the bite is, you may not be able to drive safely. You know, oh, halfway yeah. through your trip, you, you may start getting symptomatic and, and be out. Yeah. So then you're not a safe driver. So having somebody who can drive you it would be very important in that sense. But we usually recommend calling 911 right. and but, but again, I, I, I bet this guy who's making this walk across the United States. Yes. Um, I bet the nine one one may be two hours away. Yes, like that was the issue. And there, and there may be no cell phone service anywhere that he is. So yeah. you, you you may have to go two hours just to get cell phone service. Yeah, some of these places are pretty remote. So you have to take that into account when you're going somewhere. Yeah, I I was reading about his walk. How he was ninety minutes from the closest hospital or the closest ambulance bay. And when he called 911, they deployed an ambulance from one side, an ambulance from the other side, and a helicopter. And whatever one got there first was the one he ended up getting in, which was actually an ambulance. And then he was driven to a hospital, and they didn't have enough of the vaccine or the anti-venom. And he had to be airlifted to another hospital to receive the rest of his dosage. 
So it was and, quite and, the journey. And you may need repeated doses of antivenin when you're bitten. So that's it's very important that you have it accessible when that time comes. Yeah. And, that's, and we're kind of spoiled in this area where, where we can get whatever we need and the hospitals are very close together. Yeah. But you get out in the country, the hospitals are very few and far between. Yeah. And, and what each hospital can do is very limited. You know, the, the big tertiary medical centers, it may be one in the state. Yeah, and it might not so, be very close to right. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we're lucky here where, you know, hospitals are almost you on every Throw everywhere. a rock and hit one. Yeah, it's, they're pretty much everywhere. I mean, Hackensack is so huge. I, I feel like it takes over this entire area. You'd run into the Hackensack Hospital at, at some point. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, because I dri- drove around Hackensack today basically running around the hospital looking for this room. So, But even with that, there's a lot of other hospitals in this region. Yeah. You know, just because there's so many people, you know, you can support that the healthcare for those people. Yeah, the population. With, with multiple hospitals. Like in Manhattan, a lot more hospitals have closed. And yeah. now they're getting down to just a handful of hospitals. But you would think Manhattan would need more. But again, it's it's all about finance. Yes. You know, where they can keep afloat. Yeah. So we're, we're lucky. We have what we need and when we need it. Yes, we are very lucky. And you talk about transport here, but even here, we have a very big acute MI program and stroke program, um, and we have other hospitals in the Hackensack Meridian Network that we do their emergent cardiac casts for or interventional yeah. stroke care for. Um, so just in Palisades, which is right on the Hudson River, right mm-hmm. here, like literally right here, we fly a lot of those patients because traffic is so bad during yeah. the day, you can't get here by, by car or ambulance. Yeah. And, and so and even here, it's pretty crazy. That's true. That's true. And then you get your first ambulance ride, but not in a very fun, or not first helicopter ride, but not in a very fun way. Correct. Yes. And I think that's all the questions I have today about rabies and bugs and bites and ticks. And thank you so much for having us today. Absolutely. The material provided through this Health You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.